Good evening and welcome to Knox Mente. Tonight's guest is Greg Bishop. Interested in facts that don't fit from an early age, in 1991, Greg Bishop co-founded a magazine called The Excluded Middle, which was a journal of UFOs, conspiracy research, psychedelia, and new science. Wake Up Down There, which anthologized many of the articles and features, was published in 2000. Greg's second book was Project Beta, the story of Paul Benowitz. National Security and the Creation of Modern UFO Myth, which documented a government campaign of disinformation perpetrated against an unsuspecting U.S. citizen. Uh, his current book is It Defies Language, and it's a collection of essays detailing his long involvement with the UFO subject, government insiders, and theories and opinions about what is behind the phenomena. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes. you sound wonderful, great. and it's a great honor. Definitely to have you on. Thank, cut it out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so you were just saying you roasted peanuts. I love roasted peanuts. No, I roasted peanuts with um, um, with uh, arbol chilies and then put um, uh, chili lime powder mm. and um, habanero on it. Uh, and I roasted oh it in peanut peanut oil. And so I have I, uh, chili roasted peanuts are one of my favorite things. Yeah, you're speaking my language. That's making my mouth water. <laughs> I'll try not to eat Pretty while sure. we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, anything goes here. So, all right, let's dive in. Okay. So let's, um, let's investigate. Let's look back at your earliest uh, memories in this life. Uh, the things, and the things I'm looking for are... Um, the stuff that really sticks out, good, bad, ugly, pop culture things like cartoons you may have enjoyed, um, even stupid stuff like triple net polyester, which still sticks out for me. Um, so, yeah. And of course, if there are any early dreams. Okay. What do you want to do with this? Well, this, okay. So the, the reasoning for this is setting up an idea of the world you came up in. And it sets the stage for the narrative that when we talk about dreams, whether they're actual dreams or the philosophical side, we have an understanding of who you are as a person. Right. So, and, uh, and that's I why. I don't know. My, my earliest memory, we lived in Anaheim. I was uh, born in 1963. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're older than me. <laughs> yeah. A uh, month before the Kennedy assassination, actually a little less than a month. Um, oh, wow. So I remember nothing about it. But um, yeah, we lived in West Covina and then Anaheim. We lived like a mile from Disneyland. So we used to see the fireworks every night from Disneyland in the summer. Um, well, that had to be fun. Yeah. And when I was a kid, we used to be able to, sn they didn't have the security they have now. So we had actually found, we found holes in the fence in Disneyland and we used to sneak in and wander around. We didn't have tickets to go see anything, but we got to wander around Disneyland for free. So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and nobody, awesome. no, nobody asked us where our parents were or anything. I don't ever remember being in trouble. Those so. were the days too, when you could do that. You sure can't do that now. 
No, not at all. So yeah, sneaking into Disneyland. Then we moved to San Diego and I stayed there. Um, I was 10 years old and then we moved to, um, yeah, stayed in San Diego. My parents are still there. And then I, I uh, came back to the LA area. I was born in Pasadena. I came back to the LA area to go to school, to go to um, USC. And I got a degree in art history, which has done me really well. I got, I had no employment having whatsoever, anything whatsoever to do with art history. Yeah, and you know that it, traditionally that's like the wealthy person's degree because you don't, you know, there's art his. I have a degree in art. It's, but it was yeah. it was definitely craft based. Well, yeah, so well, parents are wealthy. They're not poor, but they just. My dad just said, "Do what you want to do because if you whatever you're going to do in your life, you better like it." So I don't I I, I don't care if you're working at McDonald's or sending rockets to the moon. Whatever you yeah. want to do, as long as you enjoy it. He actually sent rockets to the moon. He was he was a chemical still is a chemical engineer. He, oh he, wow! He worked at Aerojet and um, McDonnell Douglas and and developed rocket fuels for the for the um, space program. Was an oh. Aerojet one of Parsons' involvements? Yes, it was. So yeah. I've got what uh, two degrees of separation from Jack Parsons. Yeah, that's significant. <laughs> that gave me chills. My nipples are hard now. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> okay, so back back early, do you, so what kind of like, um, more kind of surface level stuff, like what, were there cartoons that influenced you? Did you have a relationship with nature? Uh, I don't know if any cartoons influenced me. I just watched TV like every other kid did. There are a lot of Warner Brothers cartoons. I remember the Banana Splits. I remember Scooby-Doo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, 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 Sigmund of the Sea Monsters and all that stuff that was oh, on I Saturday mornings. Witchy poo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Sigmund. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Land of the Lost. I with used the, to watch that a lot. With the reptilians in the pyramids yes. with the crystals. Come on, <laughs> yes. yeah. it's, it's disclosure the right there. HR Puffin stuff, Lidsville. Yep, watched all those things. Um, as far as uh, nature, uh, my father got me involved in Cub Scouts and then Boy Scouts, so I camped a lot, a lot. Oh, cool. Um, so I, I still do that occasionally with uh, friends. We will go hiking and camping, and, um, you know, I, every once in a while I'll get on a kick, not in a long time, but when I, in between being employed. At, or no, no, I was on a weekend shift. Um, I used to go out to Utah for about six months Every couple of weeks, I would go out to Utah <clears throat> and hike, um, hike slot canyons by myself. Oh, like, wow. For like a week, I wouldn't see anybody. And I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, you get, that's when the inner voice kind of really kind of comes out, I find, when you're alone in those kind of scenic areas, nature. Yeah. When are you yeah. going to go camping with Cleland? Oh, I don't know. Did you hear that interview with him about his lightweight camping? Yeah, I don't think anybody ever talked to him about his camping stuff on a show. And I was like, hey, Mike, we were just talking about because he was out here giving a lecture on lightweight camping mm. and backpacking. So we talked about that for a while. And I found out he knows how to build an igloo. And yeah, um, he said, you should be carrying no more than 10 pounds of uh, of uh, anything without without your food and water. Everything should weigh 10 pounds. I'm like what? And he told <laughs> wow. me how I could do that. Mm -hmm. um that would be a that would be an incredible uh weight off my back literally <laughs> if uh if i could follow mike's uh, <laughs> advice uh, uh mike cleland uh who's you, have you had him on your show no i i sent him an invite i never heard back so i, I will hit him up again i'll bug him i just i just uh, emailed with him today 
Oh, thank Tell you. Tell him to search his inbox. Okay. He I might will. have been one of the people I had to email through the contact form on their website, which Oh, okay, sucks. okay. Yeah, I know. I used to, I used to do that to get interviews for excluded middle, and it was just hello. Um, and you know what? It, this was in the '90s, and people actually, I never had a person say no to an interview. I could not believe my luck. But um, yeah, that was back back when you had to actually, you know, call people, or it was the beginning of email. So yeah. I, email, I mailed some people through the U.S. mail service to try and get interviews. <laughs> it's a whole other world. Oh, yeah, because I had no other way of getting in touch with them. But they all said yes, from Joe McMonagall to to uh, to uh, um, uh, who was it? Dean Radin to um, uh, Keith Thompson. All these these uh, Carla Turner. All these people, uh, mm -hmm. they were just willing to talk to me, and I could not believe it. And all I had to do was start a magazine with a couple friends and say, oh, you have a magazine. <laughs> like, I didn't get hired by one. I just started one. So, And I'm sure that won't work today anymore. So no, it probably wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. Anything else early, I, I you'd have to uh, bug me some more. But, yeah, a lot of time out in nature. No, I never saw anything strange. I never saw a Bigfoot or a ghost or ever. ever. Kind of Ever not not on not out in Boy Scouts. I have experienced two different ghost things, and I've seen probably two UFOs. But the one of them was probably half a mile away, and the other one was so far away it almost doesn't even qualify as a UFO. Except I didn't know what it was, and it was flying. <laughs> what about the one that was a half a mile away? How long ago was that? About six or seven years ago. Uh, I I went I. Uh, I was flying with a friend of mine. My paragliding instructor was getting a pilot's license. And so he said, anytime you want to come, come up in the plane with me, I said, just call me anytime. Anytime somebody says go flying, I say yes. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, was, I was getting ready to um, start um, doing my pilot's license. So I wanted to go up in the plane with him. Um, anyway, we, we, the, the, the turbulence got so bad, we went weightless in our seats a few times. And he said, eh, I think we should go back. Oh, jeez. So yeah. Oh, God. I, I'm not a plane lover. That's crazy. Were you brought up in any kind of religion? Um, I was brought up at, you know, as a, uh, I think we went to Lutheran and Episcopalian churches. And the reason we did, we did that was because I'm, my dad's a scientist. He's not particularly religious. And mm -hmm. when, when my sister and I grew up, he stopped going to church. And I said, why'd you take us to church? And he said, it's part of the culture, and you need to know it. If you choose to follow it, fine. If you don't, I don't care. Yeah, um, I, I have heard that a lot of times from people. That is, it is. I think that's even an old school mentality now. Yeah, it is. And my dad's definitely old school. He's born in 1929. That's pretty old school. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That, um, yeah, that Lutheran. Lots of Luther I'm from the Midwest, so lots of Lutherans out there that just yeah. did it, just did it like you it was just kind of something that they would take the kids to do and it was not serious. You know, it wasn't like, yeah. Yeah. My dad's from Oklahoma. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Did you, do you know by chance, this is one of our kind of woo woo questions, but are you RH negative by chance? I have no idea what my blood type is. I, I didn't either. Actually. I mean, I remembered my mother saying universal donor, but I had to look up what that was. <laughs> I really, yeah. really want to have some specially printed blood tests for Knox Mente, Knox Mente blood tests. You could do it at <laughs> home that. so we could have everyone's Give blood Give us type. your blood. That'll create a conspiracy. I, I got so bad. I went backtrack with my UFO story. I will finish it. I'm sorry. 
Um, I got out of the plane. We landed. I got out of the plane. I got on the highway to go back home from Santa Barbara, which was where I was. I live in LA. Um, and as I'm getting on the, the highway there, I look off to the right towards the beach because the Santa Barbara airport is right, you know, the end of the runway. One of the runways goes over the beach. I look and there's this black thing about maybe half a mile away and it's hexagonal, not, but it's hexagonal like spokes, like a cross and two crosses like that. And it looked like, it looked like a wheel without a wheel around it. It was just spokes of a wheel, except they were thick. They were black. Yeah, no, it was thick. They were black. Um, and they were shiny. I could see that when the sun was setting, I could see the, the orange sunlight shining on the facets. It, they were like, they were like hexagonal, sh um, like pencils, you know, like, uh, f uh, uh, faceted sides and then pointed at the end. Like they were big, long, almost like long, skinny, um, uh, uh, quartz crystals. That's except that, yeah, that's yeah. the image I have. Yeah, they're all joined in the middle, you know, and it was perfectly symmetrical. And it was just sitting there stock still in the air, probably 100 feet off the ground at the end of one of the runways that we had just taken off from an hour ago. And I just looked at it and I said, huh, wonder what that is. Then I got in my car and left. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a normal UFO thing, too. People just go, oh, well, that was a weird thing. And they just, you know, why didn't I drive the half a mile for three minutes to go over there and look what that thing was. I did say, oh, I just, I, get, I better get home. That's, you know, not important. Why didn't you take any pictures? Because uh, it was, I did not have a phone that had a good camera. I had a phone that had a camera in it, but it was really bad. It would be, it would have been a blob. And I didn't even think to take a picture. That's right, how ridiculous. Right. That, that's nobody thinks to. Even with like uh, those great iPhone cameras, people don't, yeah. they're like, oh. Yeah, but yeah. so much of the time you, you, if by the time you do it, you've missed You've missed it too, like digging around for the camera and turning. Yeah, everything. yeah. But it just sat there. It was still there when I left. I mean, I had no, I had no uh, appointments or anything. I could have just driven right over there. And when, the next day, I was like, "What am I doing?" So I called up the airport and I said, "Look, I saw something at the end of runway one five yesterday. Um, it was near the beach. It was probably in the flight path. Um, I don't know what it was. It and uh, do you have any reports of anything like that? Nope. Nobody said a word." Did anybody see it? No, we didn't see anything. It's like, really? I saw it plain as day from, from not too much further than you guys were at the control tower. But no, they said they hadn't seen anything. I called US, UC, UC Santa Barbara. It was right outside one of the entrances to UC Santa Barbara. And they said, we're, we have nothing like that. We weren't testing anything. There's no class projects like that that we know of. Um, so nobody knew what it was. And it was just that one time. So at the end of it, all of it, especially now it's like seven years later, what do you make of it? And that includes this whole idea that you saw it, there were no reports of it, um, you know, so it becomes a just you and it situation. You viewed, yeah. you observed it and. Well, it was, it was, um, I don't know if anybody else saw it, no other cars were stopping or anything. So either nobody noticed or. I was the only one that saw it for some reason. And if I was the only one that saw it, I don't know what to make of that. And I'm not going to go into the aliens wanted me to see it. I don't know. <laughs> no, what no, no, no. I'm just no. trying to get, uh, yeah, I hear you there. We're, we're with you. Didn't you just talk about this with David, or at least in that last interview you put out about how it's kind of a solo thing or it's a group thing. It's never always one thing. And there's always well, that consciousness component about, to it. Yeah. What I was talking about with David was something that's occupying me right now. 
Um, and that's uh, what I call co-creation. How much, when somebody has a weird experience, how much is coming from the person and how much is coming from the external stimulus? Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of arguing that, um, you know, the instrument for having a weird experience, you're seeing a UFO is people. It's your mind. It's your nervous system. It's your memory. It's your visual system. Uh, any other senses you might have um, that are affected. And we're not machines. We're not recording devices. Um, and if that's the case, then what's, you know, what, what, what is that throws into question all the databases based on people seeing whatever they saw. And when I say that, people say, oh, you say people are making things up. I said, I did not say that. I just said what they saw and they're, you, you can't rely on it as, as if it was picked up by a scientific instrument. It is very individualized. Um, it's, in a lot of cases. it's a subjective thing. It's very subjective in a lot of cases. And I think the closer you get to something, the closer something is to you, the more, even more individualized it is. Um, you know, far away, everybody say that's a light, it's green, it's going that way. But if something's right in front of you, I think that, and I'm trying to look for evidence, there's some of it, that opinions of what is seen may start to diverge. Um, mm -hmm. And there's not too many uh, not too many really good, numerous, multiple witness sightings close up. I don't think there's got to be a reason for that. And so my, yeah. you know, my in my, I wrote an essay for in um, uh, UFOs reframing the debate called UFOs: The Co-Creation Hypothesis, where I kind of spell out where I'm starting from and I'm continuing with that. The other thing I talked about was um, information theory, and uh, that's the idea that uh, uh, our entire experience, our reality, everything. It's not made of atoms and, and atomic particles. It's made of information um, at the very basic level. And if that's the case, if you see something weird or something weird happens, it's it's not out of the question at all. Something weird would happen if it's if your if your consciousness um, turns things into reality out of a basis of information. This sounds so new agey and silly and all that, but um, it, it doesn't though because it's you, not because you're describing quantum mechanics. Yeah, or yeah, that that's part of quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics is like an observer effect. This is the observer effect turned up like to the to the hundredth power. It's a reflection pool instead. Yeah, um, John Archibald Wheeler, the the Nobel Prize winning yes. physicist, wrote about um, what he called the anthropo anthropic uh, uh, controlled universe. I think that's what he called it, or anthropic principle, where he said the reason that everything exists is because we're here to observe it, and it creates from a undifferentiated mass of information creates what we experience as reality. Um, that's Carl, a tough one. about that a lot too. Yeah, that yeah. also follows it to like a virtual universe or a holographic universe kind of theory as well. I guess so, but yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, and I, I've, I'm reading a book called Information and the Nature of Reality, which is one of those ones where I'm not smart enough to read it right through. I have to read each page a couple of times. Um, I just want you to know everyone in, in chat right now is saying, it doesn't sound silly, we're on the same page. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, when, I when I was asking that question, though, my, um, I was going more towards when you experienced it, did it seem like, especially in retrospect, did it seem like it could be our tech or did you go with it's, it's outside of our ability as humans here on the earth? I never thought of it that way while I was looking at it or afterwards. Do you know so, why? Because why? if I have any kind of weird experience, if I'm going to, if, uh, this is what happened when I was doing the ghost hunt thing. I do not react to it. I try to not react to it with a notion that this is what I'm seeing. I try to make, 
keep my mind as open to the experience as possible for as long as I can. And I have made no decision about what that thing was. If it, it could have been some mundane thing that the, the, the school was testing, you mm-hmm. know, from some class, or it could have been something only I saw created out of my consciousness, or it could have been an alien spacecraft, or it could have been some government thing that they were testing. I do not know. Um, yeah. All I know is I saw something that was that did not make any sense, um, hovering right where planes were taking off. Well, they weren't at that point because the winds were so bad, but planes would be taking off right from the airport, right through it. <laughs> And it was over yeah, a salt that, marsh, well, so that's probably marsh gas. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. It really yeah. was over a salt marsh, actually. That damn swamp gas. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's good to it's good to remain open. I think that's a says a lot about you. Just just I'm, in general. I'm just going to force myself to remain open minded as long as possible. Yeah. Me too. It's important. Um, Okay, so and then just going back a little bit, back to your younger you, it doesn't have to get first memories and stuff. Do you, so you already told us you don't have, or you don't recall your dreams a lot. Did you, as a younger person, were you able to, were you dreaming a lot that you know of? I think so. A lot of apocalyptic dreams, like, you know, the bomb was dropping and everybody was dying. But I think a lot of people had those dreams then because they pounded that into your head. Right. Duck and cover. Duck and, and cover. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah that stuff was, that was scary in school. <laughs> you get under yeah. these limsy ass, um, these little desks. Yeah, it's, it's so funny to think about. Yeah. Um, so, in well, just, just because I like diving into dream imagery, those dreams that... Um, you do recall that we're kind of on that in that vein. Um, was there a theme with them, or did they? Um... I don't remember. I really don't. It's all. It was always everybody's going to die, and there's nothing you can do about it. Interesting. Interesting. And so, and did they seem modern to your time? Yes. They were always. They were always uh, in the present with people I knew. And oh, okay. That also, yeah, I mean, that seems very much like, you know, easily duck and cover the the dayside world. And also back then, did you have, um, would you have called those nightmares? Oh, yeah. I I woke up scared as as hell from them. Yeah. I didn't like them at all. I would have to, you know, sometimes run into my parents' room and all that stuff. So. Did you ever hear? You know what's funny? My mother told me one time we had a scroll a Japanese scroll hanging in the hallway. And if you walked by that scroll, the act of walking by that scroll would cause, you know, the, the, the wind from you walking by it would cause it to gently hit the wall. You hear this clack, click or clack or whatever. She said, um, at least on one occasion when nobody was in the house except all of us and we were all sleeping, she heard that thing in the hallway hitting the wall in the pitch dark when nobody was up. Interesting. She told me that one time. And did did she say what she thought? No, was she she did not think it was anything. She thought well, she thought it was a ghost. Yeah, that's what I mean. That, that she thought it was an apparition of some sort. That's but she interesting. said she didn't see one or see anything. She just heard that noise, and she was like, you know, she could have been totally asleep, and that might have been a a, a dream or a you know a hypnagogic state or something like that, or she may have been a hundred percent awake. I. I told her and she told, I asked her and she said, yeah, I was, I was, as far as I knew, I was awake. 
Oh, interesting. That I love that. See, that's the kind of stuff I just love. Um, okay, so and then back in there, when you so back here, were you an only child? One sister. She's she's still around. Okay, cool. So the two of you. Are you taking notes? I always take notes because when we go <laughs> further, when we go further in, I like to make sure I'm not just relying on memory. I'm just messing with you. Which, Greg, is ironic, is one of the questions I have. Like, where's the, where's the distinction from early memories and then dreams? It all seems kind of related to me as far as our recall and intangibility. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it gets, it gets confabulated. All, all these things mixed together, especially when you're a kid, when the, that veil between what's sleeping and waking and what's real and what's not real is not. It, th those those uh, distinctions are not uh, nailed down yet. Um, not that those are the proper distinctions, but yeah, that that veil is it's it's much more permeable when you're when you're a little child. Yeah. Did you and so when you were a little child, what was your stance on how did you feel about ghosts and the paranormal back then? I don't know what 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 is the little child cut off? I don't know. Well, um, I guess um, I guess preteen. Uh, I believed one hundred percent that all that stuff existed exists and. I still do, but in a different way. How has it changed? Um, that I have feedback from others and from the society and from um, my, my when I do stuff and people talk to me, whereas I didn't have that when I was a kid. So that I have to think about it in a little bit different way. Instead of a instead of a um, absolute innocent 100% belief in these things as all true i have a trying to be absolute innocent um <laughs> uh, uh, belief not a belief but a uh, well i guess it is a belief because you know how are you going to get confirmation uh, unless something happens to you that it is worth paying attention to and it is worth um serious study and um that it still interests me because my basic my basic makeup is um, I don't like it when people tell me what to think. I don't like it when people try to tell me a certain way or I'm the authority or whatever. That irritates me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but if somebody can say, look, let's talk about this, you know, um, logically, let's let's, you know, hash these ideas around. Let's, you know, uh, that that I love. Um, but yeah, blind belief or blind, you know, skeptics, you know, not skepticism, but blind skepticism is another type, type of belief, too. They're just both sides of the same coin. That's been pointed out many, many, many times. Yes. Um, so they're, they're both belief systems. And that's why my magazine was called Excluded Middle. We tried to live in that area where we ni neither totally believe something nor totally were um, uh, skeptical about it. Or not, not even skeptical, but uh, anti-belief. That's not even skeptic. Skepticism is fine. Um, uh, fundamentalist skepticism or anti-belief is the opposite to me of, of pure belie believerism. I like that distinction needs to be, um, in my opinion, should be more widespread. It, there is a difference between anti-belief and skepticism. Skepticism is questioning. You know, I'm like, um, yeah. You know what skepticism is? Is leaving your mind open for as long as possible until you've got so much information that you just can't you can't hold your your um you can't hold back your uh, uh acceptance of something but the thing is once you accept it more information may become available later that changes yes. your 
And that's constantly evolving, and it should be. If you yes. lock yourself into a belief system, you've automatically shut down any new information. And I'll give you an example. I had Chris Lambright on my show recently, and he, he did some of the same research I did about Paul Benowitz and the, the Project Beta thing. He found out stuff that I didn't know, and he pointed out where I'd probably made some mistakes. I had him on my show to point out those mistakes, and we talked about it. You know, and I... I I, I want to hear new information as long as somebody's not attacking me or jumping down my throat or saying you're full of crap or whatever. Um, uh, new information is always welcome. New, pure, um, uh, accurate as possible information is, is, is always welcome because, you know, how, how else are you going to um, find out any answer to a mystery or pro progress in your understanding? There's, you can't. You have, to, you have to keep listening. I agree. Not only is it welcome, it's exciting, I think. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I like it when my views shit, you know, get to shift that mutability of something something new coming in that's credible, to me at least. Yeah, um, I, li I like to think that too about myself. I don't know if it's a true 100% <laughs> of the time. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I try to be on guard. I try to be on guard against too much belief in me or preconceptions. Yeah. It can't, you know, it's weird how our experiences can really cement down certain, a conviction and that that in, in and of itself can be a trap, which closes off new information. Yeah. Anytime anybody tells me they know what's going on and they have the answer, oh. I run away as quickly as possible. And that's what I tell other people to do. Absolutely, man. So in, okay, so back in this kind of earlier phase, not necessarily young, young, just an earlier phase in your life, the idea of, um, actually, let's open this up to at any point. Have you experienced people you know that have passed in dreams? No, because I don't know too many people that have passed away, really. I've been pretty lucky most of my life. You have. Yeah, that's definitely. I mean, it seems like half the people I know are dead. Um, yeah, well, my parents are in their late 80s, so I'm not going to. That, 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 uh, that uh, bubble of, uh, of um, uh, fantasy will not be uh, operating for too much longer. Right. Yeah, it's, it's definitely adds new information to your sphere. I've had friends that had died. Mac Tony's, my friend that wrote the Crypto Terrestrials, died. That was very startling to me. I think he was 32. Um, uh, I've had people I know in my paragliding community that have died, but I've never been really close to that many of them. But it's just startling every once in a while, you know, a couple times a year. Oh, so-and-so got in a crash and died. What? You know, and you know it's yeah. going to happen, but it's just kind of startling. Yeah. Usually they're people that take risks and not not the people that are just kind of you know, I'm good. I'm not flying outside of my, you know, my uh, my uh, area of of, uh, of a skill. So yeah. that, that's how I treat it. Um, and God, I can't really think of too many other people that have uh, passed away with it. Really, my friend Mario Pasaglini, uh, who studied alien writing, he died in 1999 of pancreatic cancer, and that was that was oh, a that's a terrible cancer. Yeah, and that was like being, you know. Some of these things, it's just, I didn't even know he was sick. And so it was like, it's like a punch in the stomach, you know? So. Yeah. When it's sudden, it, it's, it, it's worse when it's sudden because you, you, have to, you have to get grips on it. It's, you know, it's shattering, especially the closer they are. It seems to me like in the last decade, most of the people I know have passed in their thirties from cancers, a lot of brain cancers now. Mm. Um, which is interesting just to know who knows what they're from, but I'm noticing cell phones. Yeah. I think my friend Tammy that just passed a couple months ago 
um, hers was right there where she'd hold her phone and talk for years. So it seemed, it seems oh, okay. obvious, you know, it seems obvious, but who knows? Um, okay. So, and then in general with the dreamscape, what, what does it generally look like? And so what I'm looking for here is like the architecture of it, like the color, do you see color? Is there, um, is there solid architecture? Do you experience like scent and other sensory? How is it? How is it in a sensory sense? Uh, touch is there. Color is there. Um, smell and taste. I don't think so. I don't remember such things. If you know, if I could, I could probably have a lucid dream if I could have those things. Um, but yeah, it's all uh, everything solid, although strange. Um, stuff that I can remember. It's just strange situations with familiar people. Um, I've had a couple of dreams about that researcher Jacques Vallée where he talked to me a bit. One time he showed me, what was it? He showed me blocks of metal, Ooh. shiny blocks of metal with little raised bumps on them like you would see, like braille, but they weren't braille. And I can't remember what he said about them, but for some reason I thought they might be important. That, it that's sounds what, like glyphs, really, to me. That's amazing. Yeah, kind of like that. Um, and I, I, re I respect his work quite a bit. So I've had, I, it's been a couple of dreams with him. And one of them, I think I was, I think I was feeling ill, and he didn't heal me. But after I talked to him, I didn't feel ill anymore. <laughs> when you woke up? No, no, no. In the dream. Within the dream. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah, I don't know because there's such a thin line, really. Yeah. Um, that's interesting, though. I love that. So he's kind of like, and do you think of him like that as a teacher sort? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, he's kind of a, a personal hero of mine mentor. as far as. You, yeah, not even a mentor, because I don't know him that well. But um, as a UFO researcher and um, his ideas that were first proposed in the 1960s that people are still catching up with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a genius. Um, that's fascinating though. I love that. And so in the, the architecture, like, and now when I say architecture, now I'm talking about structures, like buildings, have they, um, in your, in your recall that you have, do they shift at all? So say a house you go to my, it, you know, it's your house, but it's now different, but it's still your house. Mm -hmm. the imagery remain fixed. Things will change within the dream, but I don't remember ever being. Mostly, it's places that are, I am unfamiliar with. They're they're not places where I've been before. And what about like fantastical stuff, like you know, like Disney stuff, like just uh, that's clearly dream imagery that's separate from waking. This kind of um, solid world. The one uh, the, the, when you say that, the only thing that comes to mind was um, during dream, uh, some dreams. It seems like a, in a, like an M.C. Escher universe where there's stairways going everywhere. Ooh, <laughs> that's, that's just the one I remember. I mean, there's there's hundreds of dreams. You know, ninety nine percent of the time I don't remember my dreams. Only the only time I remember is either, um, you know, I, I remember it during a you know a, a light sleep or the REM or whatever. If I can if I can hold on to it when I wake up and try and remember it, then I'll remember it. But if not, it just it's gone. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. The, and, and that's sometimes the whole I'll, yeah. Sometimes I'll have a dream. It's like I really got to remember this, so I will sit there. For 10 or 15 minutes and just go over the dream over and over and over and over until it's locked into my conscious memory as much as possible. I don't write it down. 
Yeah, the, I mean, there's it's whatever works for you. It's even what you value. So on the dream, do you remember any details on the one with the staircases everywhere? Uh, I remember that I was writing something and I kept having to come and show it to somebody and see what they thought of it. And then I'd go back to this room up this set of strange stairs and it was almost like a, a medieval village. Um, but uh, not not exactly like a medieval village. I mean, it was it was planned like one, like a medieval village on a hill, like you'd see in Italy or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but everything was stairs. There was no there were no roadways or or cobblestone streets or anything. Everything was stairs for to everywhere. How did so with that? Was it frustrating? No. Do you, I just so you knew where you were I, going? Yeah, I navigated like I knew where I was going. It didn't bother me at all. It was like I, I like there. Yeah, it's like possibility. Like I think of that as like possibilities. Yeah, in my, well, that's in my, my general, own little world. Yeah, that's my general idea about things. I mean, you can't, you can do anything you want pretty much within reason. Although I've have had arguments with people in their twenties. It's like you can do anything you want, no matter who you are. It's like no, <laughs> no. you can't be Einstein. You can't. Yes, you can. No, you can't. <laughs> you can't be Michael Jordan. You can't. You you can't be you know Babe Ruth. You can't be. Those are just people that just, they, they get the genetic dice rolled properly for them and a whole bunch of other factors come together. But um, Indeed. Don't you think that's part of our current, like the snowflake paradigm? Where you can be I guess so. Or... Well, it'd be, that's a nice thing to tell kids, but when you grow up, you've, you've, you, know, you start realizing, no, I've got some limitations. I've got to work within those. I can do pretty much anything I want within some limitations. Um, you know, if you suck at writing and you keep trying to write and nobody's listening and nobody wants to publish you, you probably shouldn't be writing, no matter how much you can train yourself to write or whatever, whatever it is. I mean, I've had friends like that. It's like, well, you know, what do I, I'm going to keep writing till I'm good at it. Well, well you're not. I mean, you better try something else. I mean, it, it, if you try hard enough, you could probably get to a level of, of competence. Anybody right. can do that. Right, technically. Um, but any, yeah, but anybody can't be Truman Capote, you know what I mean? So, Yeah, I, I really adhere to the idea of what, you know, we have talents. We have a predisposition towards certain things, and it's nice to recognize them earlier. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, so back in the dream, in the dreamscape, is there, um, have there been things... And this is for we're we're out of your childhood now. Um, have there been things that seem? Have you done like when you're working on a book and um, have you gotten an, any aid from the dream realm, working things out within the dream that helped the project you were working on? I I call it a download, um, but any assist or a way working it out in a dream and then you wake up and you kind of have the answers you need or a direction to explore. I'm just laughing because you're getting through all this and I'm going to say, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wait, I, just, really? I, I guess I should, but I just, I kind of power through it. It's like, okay, I need to do this. So let's, you know. You've never had a dream inspire an idea for a book or a show or music or any creative act. Or any content not that i can remember really? hmm. no i mean they may have and i'm just not aware of it um i don't know i mean i'm not conversant with my dream um my dreaming life maybe i should be 
um, the, 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 it defies language, the book, you were, the last mm -hmm. book that I did, you were talking about. I could not think of a title for that book. And then Miguel, um, Red Pill Junkie, my, my artist, that's the first book cover he did, which is like mind-blowingly amazing book cover we know, to me. We know RPJ. Yeah. yeah. So um, he, at one point he goes, he's like, dude, you got you to gotta come up with a name here. I got to finish this cover if you want to get it out at the time you want. You got to come up with a name for the book. I was like, oh, no. So I didn't dream on it. I took something, I, I took my introduction and I put it in an online cut-up generator. And oh, interesting. I just started reading it. I, I put myself in kind of a non-judgmental non, uh, state. And I just started reading the cut-up that came out of the cut-up generator. And anytime a phrase came up, I'd write it down without thinking. And I got like 10 or 12 phrases. And one of them was, um, it defies language. And I thought, okay, that's perfect. Because I'm talking about a subject that I don't, that has the language at a lot of these subjects have the language limits how you think about it language limits how you think about anything because you have yes. to conceptualize it in the words so i just thought it was really funny as a as kind of a joke to call a book a book called it defies language so i thought okay that's perfect but it's also the yeah, perfect name for it yeah, and, and absolutely. That, that act of divination if you will whatever you did is essentially what kind of we're asking about because it's the same it's the same process i think but you're just in you're in a wake state yeah, I mean it's. Um, I I just tried to you know I like Burroughs a lot. He's one of my one of my heroes uh, for his thought and his his philosophy. Um, and you know I I thought why don't I and Mac Tony's and I used to talk about doing cut ups and we did them quite a lot together and just kind of cracked up and you know did did these little projects just between us as jokes almost. But one of them was, you know, we found these cut online cut-up generators and we used to put our writing through it and just crack up. We'd put like Christian fundamentalist stuff through and, and right-wing and left-wing political stuff through and astronomy articles and just see what came out. And we had fun with that. And I remembered that. And I said, why don't I use this as a tool to try and figure out a title for the book? And that's what, that's what tumbled out. Very cool. Did, so, so within this kind of... Um, Within this aspect of our conversation, what about, and so, and I know your dream imagery is limited, so, and we, ha we haven't even gotten into the philosophical stuff, how you feel about what they are and all this. Um, have you ever been able to manipulate the qualities within the dream? Now, I know a lot of times that's a call to lucidity or actual lucidity, a higher level of it. But have you been able to change outcomes, have any control within it, within a dream? No, I've never done any lucid dreaming. Although somebody gave me, what was that stuff that's supposed to, that, that, um, that substance that's supposed to help your lucid dreaming, but I never took it. Salvia? <laughs> no, not salvia. I have had salvia. Melatonin? No, it was something else. I can't remember the name of it, but it's supposed to enhance and, 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 uh, and, LSD. Uh, no, that's 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 not dreaming at all. That's waking. Um, but uh, it, I can't remember the name of it. But I didn't. I I didn't take it. Um, not that I'm against that. I mean, I I've, I've had psychedelics, and you know. Um, but uh, I just didn't. I didn't use that stuff. I can't remember what it's called. It's like it's some plant from South America, I think. Um, it's it's not illegal, but it's supposed to help lucid oh, dreaming. Like kratom, maybe I don't know. No, nope. um, 
Yeah, it's weird. I'm drawing a blank. There's so many different things people take. What about, so on, and this is something we talk about a lot too, we explore, um, psychedelics with people who are willing to talk about it. Um, I'll talk about it. I don't care. We love those stories. So it, it, did you have any, um, what's, your, what's been your general experience with psychedelics overall? Pretty positive. I've only had one like bad experience. And that bad experience, what made it bad? Uh, a friend with me who wouldn't stop yelling. <laughs> okay. that, that didn't help. Yeah. Was your friend having a bad experience? No, he was having a great experience, but he's ruining mine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, that'll do it. You know, um, so I, outside of that, though, you were having, they were positive. Did you have any, what was like the most outlandish stuff? I really can't think of anything that's really outlandish. I mean, there's things like, you know, we were out in the desert, Joshua Tree, and we we're banging on rocks and the rocks were ringing. And they're just big, solid rocks out in Joshua Tree. Why should a rock be ringing? But they sounded like bells. I thought it was wonderful. So you haven't done the uh, heroic five gram mushroom dose? To meet the elves? No, I don't think. Yeah, the elves are the DMT. Um, the DM. One time I did DMT, I didn't do enough for the elves, but I. It certainly was. In a, it's DMT is like being shot out of the top of your head with it through a cannon. I mean, it's just you. You, you just think, you know, because psychedelics, you're like, oh, it's coming on. You know, I <laughs> guess I better get ready. This is kind of weird. I don't like it. Um, DMT is like, okay, I'm breathing it in. Now I bam, you're out of your body. Like, ah! It's like somebody literally shot you out of the top of your head. You know, and you, there is no question whatsoever that you are going. You can't hold on to anything. You can't. And the, I did it one time. And that, uh, all I did was I, was flo I floated above the ceiling like it was a moonscape. You know those, um, what is it called? Cottage cheese ceiling? Mm. Yes, mm. the texture. Yeah. The, the blow. yeah. It was like flying over a, a, a moon of some planet and, and that. And that, that that ceiling was the surface, and it was all these crags and valleys. So, because you didn't take a second hit, you were limited to your room. Is that what you're saying? You were like stopped at the ceiling when you shot out. Well, I didn't think it was a ceiling. I just oh, suddenly oh, was oh, flying over it like I was in a spaceship. I got you. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think it was a ceiling. It was just like, oh, I'm on some <laughs> planet somewhere. And then slowly, I came back to my friend sitting there next to me to make sure I didn't go nuts. Did it feel like a lot of time had passed? No, the, the, the time was not dilated. It just seemed like, you know, for five minutes I was doing something else and then I came back. I, yeah, I'm, I can't, I'm so leery. Of, I haven't tried it. I want to try it. I have some sort of weird fear about it. I'm, ter well, it, I'm terrified of doing it. So. <laughs> it's, it, does, it, 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 it doesn't mess with you. I mean, it doesn't mess around. Yeah, that's the thing that's so intense, at least with LSD, which I did a lot of a long time ago. You you know, you described it well. It's coming on, you feel a little twinkle, and then, you know, you kind of ease into it. Yeah. And, and then, then before you know it, everything's cool or horrible or whatever you want. But DMT is just like, you know, it's like sitting, it's like sitting in a, in a, in a you know, one of those rides where you know that when it starts, you're strapped in and there's nothing <laughs> to do about it. You can't go, no, let me off. I guess you can. For DMT, right, and then you they'll have scream, a bad experience. No, let me, yeah, you can scream, no, no, let me off all you want, but you're going. Yeah, yep. I love that analogy with the roller coaster when you just like click, click, click up to the very top. You know how it pauses and you've got, there's no, no option. You have no choice. You're going to go over the edge. 
Yeah. And it's just, it's bang. And I, I said, literally, it was like somebody, there was something behind, like a big spring that just shot me out through the top of my head. I've never talked about this on a show. So there you go. That's, that's great though. And it's a lot of experiences like this that are making me more comfortable and wanting to try it because I do want to do it. I think I yeah. need, to, you know, I think. I'm I didn't go schizo. Yeah, clearly. No, it's gotta be pretty safe. Your body produces it. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna drive you crazy forever or whatever. I mean, I've, I've never heard anybody just said, Oh no, it was like for days afterwards, I was screwed up. No, I, no. I mean, it's it's over in five minutes. It used to be called the businessman's high or something. <laughs> I personally don't, I'm not frightened of putting strange drugs in my system. I have no problem with that. It's the getting shot out of the top of your head, being in another space, that whole ego death thing kind of, at this point, I'm not ready for it. So, I mean, I would never do it because of that. Not the, I don't know. I've never had an ego death. It's always like, I always know, I've always had some at least tenuous connection to an eye. Even if yeah. it's barely. Right. Mm -hmm. And in the higher doses of DMT or, or mushrooms, even, even an acid, you'll get people who say they dissociate completely. Well, I've dissociated, but it's never, oh, you mean from an ego being, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever have. I was, I've always like, here's a good thing. Here's a, you don't care that there's an eye, but there still is one there. Right. Exactly. But I'm, for me personally, I know that mm -hmm. I've, never done that and to me it's like i don't think i can like i can't split that way yeah and i've taken a lot of acid so i mean i don't I'm yeah i sure. don't think yeah i don't think it get, if you get to that point it might be like dmt you don't have a choice it's just gonna happen yeah that's i've i've experienced that point and and that is part of what caught created a couple of very bad experiences for me i lost because there's a sense of losing control then with your ego or your persona at least yeah. um and that that's when i actually stopped when i started to have those experiences like once twice and i wasn't going to do it again because yeah. it felt like i kept going further away and that something in my cognitive mind is like oh my god schizophrenia come back. association yeah am i going to be that woman you know rambling on the corner talking crazy and that it's a yeah. control thing yeah, it's, I found this too, you know, if you're something bad's going on and you don't like it, it's just kind of like you have to either if you're heroic yourself and just say, look, this is, this is temporary. I'm, you know, there's a drug going on. And, um, and actually, you know what, when I, I spoke to this guy that was like a heroic DMT taker and I said, we were sitting there talking about it and we were talking about, you know, ego death type stuff. And I can swear on this show, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He said, um, we were talking about that. And I told him, look, I, you know, I, I, I've been on trips where I think, am I ever going to come back? What's going to happen? Um, you know, where am I going? And then, you know, at a certain point, you just kind of let go. And I looked at him and I said, and you say, so fucking what? And we both said it at the same time and high-fived each other. Oh, that's, that's a great synchro. That's good. And it's, it's funny. It's like, and I just say to myself, and like, it was like somebody scripted it. We both said it at the same time. That, and it's the only way to keep from having a bad trip. You're just kind of like, well, whatever happens, happens. Right, right. I I understand that now. I could probably do LSD again now, but that it was so. Um, yeah, I have it in here. It's like 
20 oh, it's been like 20 years. Yeah, for me too. Because those were terrible. Those experiences were absolutely got where you write it out and you know it's hours of writing it out. So, um, that's when you spark up a nice fat joint. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, you got to enjoy the ride. I mean, it's just kind of like, look, you know what? If something happens, so what? If, if I never come back, so what? Yeah. I'm definitely at that state now, but it, the younger me was. You know, I don't know. I don't know. The experiences were so terrible. I just didn't. I thought I was. I don't even know how. I don't even have words. I can still like get a physical sensation thinking on them. How terrible they were, and they also involved like these like demons and crazy stuff. In San, this is in San Francisco. It was unbelievable. Some of the imagery that has a dark past. (laughs) It's well, and you know, I've I've just I'm an explorer. So, um. So also in in this vein of thought, what do you think the the what's the from this is just and of course this shows that it's about opinion. So what it what do you think the function or service of dreaming is? And also this is kind of a, a segue into altered states of consciousness, which we were just talking about. What is the function that it serves? as separate from what we're considering waking life? Um, probably many, many, many different ones. Uh, reintegration with self, um, um, making sense of what's go- ever going on in your subconscious mind and in your life, dealing with stress, and then maybe at a higher level, um, connecting to uh, realms that are non-time and space-based, um, and it's accessible to everybody, unlike, you know, doing drugs. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, if you're a shaman or somebody that's like, fulfills that role, you're basically dreaming for the whole society. Um, there's, there's, so many, there, there's so many issues around dreaming, I think. Um, I wish I was more of a dream explorer or researcher or whatever, but from my perspective, you know, limited perspective, the, those are kind of the, the main issues. So, and then, so also kind of moving into, into this a little deeper, where do you think your, where do you think your consciousness actually lies? Is it, is it attached to your, your id or your I? Is it elsewhere? Local or non? Yeah. Thanks, Jer. Thank you. Yeah, I would, I would, I would go with non. Um, There's a lot, there's more evidence coming for that. And plus, it's more exciting for me to think of it in that way. And it opens up so many more possibilities that consciousness is non-local and it makes it, you know, it would make sense in, in, uh, in light of people having premonitions, uh, out of body experiences, um, near death, um, reincarnation, all those things. If you start talking about a non-local consciousness, start, start to make a lot more sense. Absolutely. I, I personally think that the subconscious is connected to that cloud, if you will, the cloud of consciousness yeah. and the, the left brain is your logical that runs your body and lets you interface with that and keeps it away. Like, in, in my mind, that's the veil, is the yeah. separation of left and right brain. The right brain or the subconscious, that's, that's like open to everybody. So you're, you can access everyone else too with the right whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that would yeah. facilitate all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, it's uh, it, the, the sleeping is available to everybody. Um, the, 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 and I think that the, uh, 
maybe if you're you know left to left brain, your right brain will take over during that and sort of reintegrate um, some of some of your 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 separation of those two. Balance out. And yeah, balance it out. I mean, I, I, it, maybe it works better for some people than others, or they just snap right back into that oh, logical left brain <laughs> right. thing when they come back. Um, I was talking with a friend today about different societies, and she's about to move to uh, uh, Italy. And I said, that's more of a right brain society. I mean, just look at it. You go there, and it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know? Right, like, absolutely. You know, we want, our, we want our, our environment when we're here to look beautiful and to look um, more like something is pl- we are pleased to see. Um, and, that, and if you, you know, this country or Britain or... Um, I'm trying to think I, got more of a Western country, Western uh, uh, orientation, or at least a uh, uh, British orientation, Canada. It's you, you've got a little less of that. You've got a little more of a left brain uh, society working. Um, and if that balance goes away, I think you start to have problems. Um, and then there's societies that are probably far too right brained and they sometimes get taken over and overrun by the left brain societies, mm. you know? What do, so within all this, what do you what are your thoughts on so th- they, these things run together? So I'm gonna just I'm gonna name them out, and it's all kind of where we are talking in this realm. Deja vu, synchronicities, reincarnation. Where are you within the parameters of those ideas? I don't know what to say. I'll try and take it one by one. You'll probably have to remind me. Deja vu. I guess, you know, my idea right now, these are always open to being changed later. Yes, yes. But uh, the deja vu thing is either you can look at it in a couple different ways. One is it's just your subconscious making connections with things um, that normally wouldn't be made connected, but you had cueing in your environment. Or two, you have become unstuck from time and that uh, that um, when the time doesn't matter anymore, you've got... Um, uh, you you can make associations, and those associations are are deeper and more uh, meaningful than just um, remembering something. Um, so it seems like it's more of a numinous experience. Uh, what were the other two? So synchronicity. Synchronicity, yeah. Um, I'm more interested in synchronicity because I think when you know, synchronicity is very individual. And I think that uh, a lot of this weird stuff become is uh, you have to look at it as an individual experience. You can't start um, doing a big study and saying this stuff happens to these people. Yes, in a general way, but not the individual experience is far more meaningful to the person that's having it. And synchronicity has got to be one of the most you know personal individual experiences of all because you don't find you don't often find I don't kind of think of a whole group having a synchronicity, but. People have them all the time. And if they, to, to me, friends of mine and for myself, if they start to build up, if a lot of them happen at once, I sit up and take notice and try and figure out what's going on at that point because it's, I've reached some kind of um, uh, nexus of meaning that may be important to me at the time. Um, and it may be, you know, a, as a divination tool or something, it may be time to act or time to pay attention or whatever. But it, it makes you a little bit more aware for a while. And I think that's, that's good no matter what. And there may be a deeper, a deeper pattern there where that if you do pay attention, it will, uh, it will have some significance, hopefully a positive significance in your life. Sure. And that expanded awareness can always be patterned in your head for later. Yes. Yeah, Smaller exactly. individual patterns. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I rambled a bit on that. What was the third one? Reincarnation. Yeah, I mean, I, I touched on that a little bit earlier. I think the uh, I, I think there's a lot of compelling. Carl Sagan, for Christ's sake, was uh, his last book in Demon Haunted World. He said there is compelling evidence for reincarnation. Carl Sagan. Um, <laughs> so he Einstein said that you know, couldn't get over the ether. So same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry. And I think yeah, that's okay. I mean, we can, you interrupt me whenever you like, but the. Um, uh, I think that's another, you know, it's an example of uh, non-local consciousness, of non-time and space-based conscious, consciousness not being based in space or time, but uh, somewhere else. Um, there is, you know, there's a guy named, I think, uh, Ian Stevenson. For years, he did um, scientific research, this is as scientific as he could be, on um, children that said they had been reincarnated. So he would, you know, find a kid that was, in, you know, in, England, India, wherever, that had very specific memories of some other life. And then he would, he would locate that other person's relatives. And they'd have to be people they had never met, didn't know about, whatever. Sometimes there were five villages over, sometimes they were in the next, you know, in the next country or whatever. I don't know how he found these people. But he would question them separately. And there were very specific correlations between what the child was saying and what this person's life was. And the people they knew and all that. He knew people, you know, the child would know people's names, know whose mother was, all that stuff. So there's extremely compelling evidence for it. And if there is evidence for it, and it is true, I think it is an example of consciousness being non-physical, non-local. And, uh, um, you know, just <laughs> we're kind of like knots in a net, like that Indra's net of, um, of, of, a, of, of some kind of latticework of, of consciousness, coincidence, whatever you want to call it. And uh, those little knots are our consciousness. Uh, I sound like a crazy person now. <laughs> you sound absolutely you normal to me. Yeah, really. Yeah, you are kind of crazy. So in the idea of... Um, Nobody ever asked me these questions, so thank you. Well, we're, <laughs> we're glad you're just here and participating yeah. of this subject. Um, so in the idea of reincarnation, synchronicities, deja vu, um, looking at your life of dreaming, the dreams you can just recall vaguely, were there, besides these early ones of like the disaster stuff, have you had reoccurring dreams or experienced reoccurrence at all? Never. I've never had a precognitive dream. I've never had a recurring dream. I've never had a dream that continues on for where it left off. None of those that I remember. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of knew because, I mean, you already prefaced that you don't dream a lot. So I, don't, I, I might, but I just don't remember them properly. I don't make an effort to remember. You do. I, I really believe everyone does. It's just a, ma a matter of recall and, um, and how all that functions out. So I've got this, this idea of word association and you might find it funny, but I like it and I do it from time to time. So if you'll, if you'll play along with me, okay, <laughs> so I'll just play like along. Very, I feel like somebody's gathering a bunch of information on it. Well, I am, but I'm doing it in context of trying to get into your dream world and understand dreams for myself. Uh, um, because in the end, this is all about me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my right. show's all about me, so whatever. It's like, that's, I mean, I'm trying to understand myself. 
So, okay. Well, it's not all about me. It's what I'm interested in. And if other people are interested in it, then that's great. That's icing on the cake. So go ahead. Yeah, I know. Well, you're a trailblazer too, one that we look up to. Um, okay, so deep water. Oh, you want me to, you want me to give a... Um, yeah, uh, just like the first thing that pops in your mind. Uh, sharks. <laughs> Scary. Deep, deep, um, deep space. Um, Insight Lander. Insight Lander. Um, okay, and then the deep woods. Um, wolves. Ooh, nice. What's with all the deep? Well, because I want it to be like out remote. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking collective, you know, the collective. Um, wolves is super cool. You're the first person with wolves. That is awesome. Those were kind of like the things. So I wanted to go, and so now I just want to look at these. So deep water, the idea of deep water, and especially with all the stuff you talk about anyway, do you think there is, what do you think about what's possibly going on in these regions we cannot access? Uh, which regions? What are you talking about? The deep water, deep ocean, deep sea. Uh, uh, strange forms of life live there that, that, that light up funny. <laughs> 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 well, and on the other hand, um, there's, I'm, I'm sure that the, uh, navies of various worlds are trying finding ways have already found ways to use these, um, these deep areas for, uh, to hide things, to uh, hide things from other countries. And, um, well, I'm sure you've heard the stories of all the underground bases, like in Malibu. Uh, yeah, which I think is BS, but... Who knows? I've heard that uh, there's submarine tunnels that go in from Malibu out to Los Alamos or some crazy place like that, but who knows? Yeah, I've heard who about knows? that too, but there's absolutely no way to prove it, so I don't know, really know what to do about that. Yeah, um, I consider... It would be, it'd be incredibly convenient. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I don't know what to think about either. I don't know what to think about any of that stuff. Well, none of us do. And that's why it's really fun to ponder. And that's why we like to ponder. Because in the end, I mean, we don't have anything proving anything to us about deep space, really, and about deep water and all this. Deep space. Um, big. Well, I've, I, I, I believe we have sent probes to other planets, and I'm pretty sure we went to the moon. I'm almost certain of that. And I don't, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm not too... I'm not too conspiratorial about that kind of stuff. Stuff I'm conspiratorial about is, you know, owning people's um, perceptions and things like that. That that's the kind of stuff that bothers me. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on. Yeah. Well, even 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 about like deep space, I don't consider our solar system here deep space. So where we've sent probes, um, I think when I'm thinking deep space, I'm thinking out beyond. Oh, okay. I should have said Oort cloud. <laughs> but even beyond that, because that's still the solar system. Yeah, Interst exactly. Interstellar space, I believe is the correct term. Yes. Which is just mind-blowing. It's just a meditative idea is to get your mind out, way out past yeah. that. It, it's well, crazy. I, it, the only reason I said Insight Lander is because I've been watching it and it's fascinating to me. And when, when, it, lands, you know, when it landed on another planet, I, like, cried. <laughs> I can't yeah. believe that... What, when I see a probe that went to what was it, um, Saturn went Venus. to. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. The the lander that landed on a moon of Saturn. I can't remember which one it was. And like, and there was like methane ice and seas, and it was looking at this as it landed. That like it complete to me that to me the to, to me that was like looking at a great piece of art. That was in 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 Cytalus? Cytalus? 
It was the one the methane sees. I, I remember that. Yeah. Render. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time on my show, I played, um, they had a sped up um, recording of the radar as it approached the, the surface, as it was bouncing back and forth. And it just sounded like, and then it stopped and it's, when it landed on the ground. And it was just a very weird, stupid noise. It's like, that's the sound of a probe landing on another moon of another planet, a moon of another planet. Oh my God. To me, for some reason that I get off on that, you know? That's cool. Uh, it was Cassini, Cassini on Titan. That's it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not typing while I'm uh, talking to you. So. <laughs> so, so the idea of this is. I don't know if I've got the language. What do you think about cryptoids and all of that? Is it cryptoids, Jerry? Cryptids. 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 I always get that wrong. What do I think about them? That's yeah, like that's like Sasquatch and um, you know, like like Nessie stuff like that. Uh, I think there's I think there's an external stimulus that people see. Um, past that, I'm not exactly sure what they are. I, um, but then I'm not a Bigfoot researcher, so if I was sitting out in the woods and something came up next to me and screamed in my ear. I probably wouldn't express that opinion to you. I, my print opinion would be, "Oh my God, they're real." So <laughs> they, they could very well. I, I do. I do think this stuff is real. It's it's it is thing something that people experience. It's not coming from inside their heads. Um, and I do think there's an intelligence associated just with it. Just like I think for Bigfoot, anyway. Just like I think the UFO thing, there is an intelligence associated with it. But past that, I'm not sure what form that takes. I think we put our own metaphors on it. Um, for Bigfoot, I think we might be putting our own metaphors on it, but it may be a little bit more uh, complicated than that because it's uh, it's seemingly closer to home um, and closer to us being an anthropoid type uh, thing. And you can people have endlessly discussed, you know, um, is it an evolutionary form? Is it something that we're thinking of as our evolutionary form? Is it, you know, I don't know. I just know that there's um, something that is there. <laughs> There's something that's that's been seen all over the world that is not human, that is humanoid, apparently, and that um, can apparently appear and disappear at will, and also has physical properties. I, I was I had uh, David Weatherly on my show. We were talking we were talking about Weatherly, and I said, uh, um, actually, we were just sitting in a hotel room. I said, Hey, Dave, let's go do, go do a, an interview. I just put a digital recorder in between us, and I said, you know, and then there was a pause in the conversation. I said, Dave, Bigfoot, paranormal or physical? Go. <laughs> and he said, why can't it be something physical that actually has paranormal abilities? Exactly. I said, I never thought about it that way. That's pretty cool. Why can't it be an indigenous species that we just don't understand? Yeah, that is able to do things like, um, you know, walk behind a tree and disappear or, you know, whatever it is. It has paranormal power. But, you know, mm -hmm. it, can walk, it can walk into some other space or time. I mean, that's a really crude way of a pocket describing it. Yeah. As if we're walking through a door. It's like, I want to go through that door. But the Bigfoot or Sasquatch or whatever says, I want to be in that time. I don't like it here right now. So they just go that way. And it's just an inherent property of what they do. It's an idea. I don't know if it's true. It would explain the missing 411 phenomenon. Not the Bigfoot thing specifically, but the fact that there could be pocket dimensions or a way to get into another space. Yeah, yeah. With, with whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. And... Who knows, you know, there may be window areas that either are there all the time or maybe they, yeah. you know, move around or whatever. Uh, uh, I do not know. But the, the, these things tend to cluster around certain geographic areas a lot of the time. So 
So, I just don't think we're conversant with how to mess with that stuff yet. Or even talk about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, um, I, I like to think of some cryptids, though, as, uh, well, to me, they're really tulpas, like that Slender Man or Mothman, those kind of things that pop yeah. up after um, it becomes popular in the, in the collective, if you will, right? Some, after, after those two girls got convicted of the Slender Man murders in Wisconsin or wherever that was, People started seeing Slender Man in the streets, and then a movie came out about it recently. You know? Yeah. So these people who are seeing it, they're, I think those are kind of things are more projections, tulpa-type things that they see versus a Bigfoot, which may actually be an entity that shares this container. Sure. I wouldn't argue with you about that. Sorry. <laughs> I, I wasn't looking for an no, argument. It was more about, I, I, I agree with you on that. I, no. I don't know if I would have too much to add. I was saying that we need to separate the language encrypted, at least uh, make categories. There's different aspects of it. Yeah, so yeah, de definitely. There's there's different things. I mean, there's all kinds of things all over the world. Cultures um, have different ideas about. Uh, they they all have strange creatures that seem to inhabit you know this world and another world um, that are physical and non physical and that like and they're present in every culture. So yep. you know, I don't I don't think it's coming out of people's imaginations. I think they're They've been with us forever, as long as there's been people. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe before that. Uh, maybe they're the Maybe. <laughs> What's your relationship with time as far as, as a concept, uh, philosophically? I'm almost always on time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, you were tonight. Well, the, the, the thing is... Uh, you know, that's not a joke. I mean, to put the, the, the meat of your question aside for a second, when I worked on Project Beta, I had to meet with government people and spies and all that. If you're late, they won't talk to you. If you're 30 seconds late, if you're 10 seconds late, they will not talk to you or they'll be really annoyed mm -hmm. because that's an insult to them. Yeah. Um, and I carried that into my normal life. And so now I don't think I'm, I think I might be late once every month for anything. I always like, I have to be on time for this thing. And I will be there when the second hand reaches the thing on my watch. Yeah, like, I'm the same way. The door. That's always been instilled in me. Really? It's a little anal, but I, after a while I realize if I'm not there on time, I'm disrespecting the person that expects me to be there. Absolutely. It's, it's like saying my time is more valuable than yours. It, it actually triggers me when people are real lackadaisical about appointments and stuff like that. And I hate to say the word triggers, but it's like, we <laughs> set understand. up a time, we set up a time to meet, there's a meeting, it doesn't matter if it's important or not, we set this time up. Yeah. <laughs> Be there. Yeah, so that, that's my idea about normal time. But as for time flow and the time as a concept... I can't explain it in words right now because it has, was explained to me in words by Dean Radin when I interviewed him in 1996. He sat with me for five hours and convinced me that time was an illusion. Now, I can't repeat what he said. I can't even conceptualize what he said when he told me because I understood it finally. Mm. But that you know, time was a human construct, and that it is not what we think it is, and it is not, uh, it is not a, it is not an immutable law that mm -hmm. time flows from future to past. Um, I'm reading a book now uh, called Time Loops about retrocausality, which is something that's fascinating to me right now too, where something in the future can affect something in the past as we think, as we experience it. Yes. Um, 
Yes. But outside of that time, that time flow, um, it doesn't matter. And it becomes more like uh, uh, where and something Raiden told me where, where meaning is a dimension. Meaning is more important. Something that has personal meaning to you uh, will transcend the time barrier mm-hmm. or, or, or the space barrier. Even it's like, you know, seeing somebody that you said about uh, you were bringing up early about. Did I know somebody that died close to me? I knew where you were going with that. And no, I haven't seen, you know. An apparition of somebody I know, or had a premonition, or anything like that. Um, although when Matt Tony's died, they... actually, I knew when somebody called me that that's what they were going to say. Oh, really? So you yeah. did have a premonition? Yeah, I've had one. Uh, yeah, uh, Nick Redfern called me and told me that Mac had died, and when I, he called me at twelve thirty at night, and he never called, or maybe one in the morning, and he never calls me that time. He's usually asleep, and I he called me, and it's when I picked up the phone, I said, "Oh shit, Mac died," and he said yeah. that immediately right after. And I yeah. didn't even know, and he wasn't sick or anything. He just had a heart condition and he died in his sleep. But um, that was, you know, one sort of premonition I have. But it was right before the, you know, it was a split second before. But that doesn't matter. It's the fact that you actually did perceive it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, a exactly. shift in your, in, your, in, your, in your world in a way. So yeah. with, with this idea too, so the idea that, and I'm with, I'm with the time thing here. So we really are congruent. Um, I'm, I'm curious. So what is the now, the waking life? How do you perceive this experience that we're all collectively agreeing on is happening as a now? Mm, here's your dead air. I have no idea. Um, we're not afraid of dead air. <laughs> it is um, it is more important than what's coming or what came before, but I don't know what the now is. The now is what you should stay in as much as possible. Um, that that's about the only thing I could think of to say about it at this part, at this time. So you were you're you're warm to reincarnation, obviously. So what about the concept of past lives? And if there's no time, then they're really simultaneous lives, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I never really thought about it that way. But yeah, that 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 could be if you're gonna think about it in the model that we're proposing right now, yeah. that 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 would be that would be on the table. Yeah. That tied um, into your question, which I already forgot. Now, well, it, it no, and, but this all ties right. back into where I'm going with this is meaning in, in time, how how the thing that I find that's important with the idea of time, the concept of time or construct, however you want to look at it. Um is that it's meaning that rises up out of of everything and um and in the meaning which could be tied into ideas of synchronistic you know synchronicity or deja vu um even reincarnation that's where we find like these checkpoints in time because something becomes meaningful and um and so it where I'm going with this is if something becomes meaningful, we've attached whatever psychic content onto an event or a place or a time, then how stable does that come become in the end? Do you know what I'm saying? So like you have a dream that's really significant and it sticks out. You can still remember these details years later. Something was there that was bigger than you may have perceived what is that about not sure that i made myself clear well probably not but what it's about is the meaning it has for you um you're not going to have a unless you're a really good psychic you're not going to have a premonition of something that doesn't have any personal connection to you 
um, there has to be some sort of personal connection or it, it, it is meaningless to you. And if it's meaningless, it's not in your, it, it, you cannot make that connection. You can't, you don't have the search term, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I think meaning, uh, a personal meaning of something is the most important part of the connection that, that, that will, will take you out of the time bind, if that makes sense. So if we look at it from the aspect of collective emotional output, which is certainly meaningful, right? If, if, so like an event like, say, something traumatic, like 9-11, where the collective is aghast at what's happening. Whatever they think, whatever you think about what happened, just the, the fact that it happened created this big warp you know, this, this crater almost within the collective, how does that tie into all this, that as an effect tie into us in our individual lives? Um, as far as the greater picture of time within the idea of space, time, space, and multidimensionality, which is where really reincarnation, I think, lives. Uh, I don't know how to answer that. But can that change, <laughs> did that change things? So. Yeah, I know. See, I'm getting far out with my ponders. Um, it, it's just interesting to me, the idea, when we start talking about time, which is where I really find a lot of um, time loops just fascinate me and the idea of it. So, all right, moving forward into the idea of death. What? So you already have said um, non-local, and I'm there with you on that. Uh, that used to be where in on like social media sites and stuff, where do you live? Non-local used to be my slapstick. Um, anyway, so what what are your ideas on death? Uh, ideas? I mean, I I, I think that it's uh, the physical body uh, stops and possibly or whatever is you that uh, uh, goes on because it's just it's just inhabiting that little knot of physicality for a while. Um, you know, I, I that's the best best model I have right now. I don't know until I actually die what that might be. Um, That's why it's so exciting to talk about. Yeah. Nobody knows. Um, what's interesting when you bring up that subject of death is that um, uh, I saw Whitley Strieber speak a few months ago, and, and his wife, Anne, before she died, she said, I think the UFO thing is very tied into the concept and the experience of death, um, which is a very weird thing to say. Um, I agree with that, by the way. Why? I don't know. I've listened to him talk about that recently. It was such a shift. Um, I think on THC last. It was. It was a really good interview if you haven't heard it. Oh, my God. It was amazing. It was one of his best. Um, <sighs> yeah, I got to listen to that. Yeah, you should. And I don't want to I don't want to get off on me here because I'm interested in you. That's OK. I threw the question back at you because I and it's fine if we have a, a conversation. I just wanted to hear what you thought about that you said yes i think it's important and I, I will tell you why i think it's important but it's your turn right now it, it could be well, that that um death is what happens after death is what you believe to happen what you believe is going to happen to you so you know and that goes back to programming and telling people what to think too if people expect to go to heaven or hell maybe that's where they go and 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 to further that or and then throw my input in also is 
a series of events that happened to me when I was very young around death. I, you know, as I've already said, I've lost a lot of people and it started very young with my cousin who was my age. Um, we were both like, I think she was seven. I was six was really the first outside of grandparents, which seemed detached. Um, my cousin Kylie, we were playing in this, you know, she got sick and died. I was there and it may, I, you know, I got to see her in the hospital all hooked up and then in a casket with a wig on and makeup. And it was also confusing to me. Um, and then after that event, I started to have this series of, of high strangeness where I it was encountering my future self, like around this age, actually, speaking to me. And it seemed like... And so I'm going to jump forward. Later on, I start when I became aware of like the ET paradigm. I thought mm, maybe that's ETs. I could never put, I could never house the event. I could never wrap the event of this communication I was getting from something that felt like other than me, mm-hmm. until more recently when I I started to have these remembrances of it, and it was me from this period in my life speaking and communicating through meditative dreams to that little child that was having a very hard time. So that's what I'm talking about with the street where I think that there's some maybe disassociative stuff or how we want to cognitively wrap up an experience. And it's so easy to push it into the other, into the ET experience when it could actually be ourselves. Yeah, it could be. I mean, people say that they specifically say that they know it's coming from outside of them. But because of my model agnosticism thing where it's like, will not like stick myself into one theory as much as I can, um, I'm not sure. And since I haven't had that kind of experience, I can't tell people what to think. Um, I always go back to, you know, whatever somebody thinks, as long as they're not forcing it on me or asking me for money for it or whatever, they can believe whatever they want and whatever makes them, whatever helps them integrate the experience is the yes. correct, is the, is the correct answer. Yes. Um, as long as it's not pushed on other people and it's like, well, this must be it. You must be wrong. I mean, no, 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 that's not how it works. Um, the experiencer is varied as there are people. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> the funny thing is when you were saying that I was thinking of, uh, uh, have you seen that animated uh, thing, uh, that animated uh, film world of tomorrow? Yeah. Is it yeah. the 70s one? No. No, no. This came out about four or five years ago. There's a part two now, but there's, there's a little girl in it. Huh? I'm sorry. It came out when Tomorrowland came out? Like almost the same time. Uh, I think we're talking about a different thing. No, it's the 15-minute cartoon about the girl. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We yeah. are talking about yeah. the same. It just coincidentally came out when we're all, yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, right. So there's no, no connection, you know, uh, between the two, but... Uh, it's a little girl that's meeting herself from the future and her, herself from the future is telling her what he, she told her when she was a little girl. Um, yes, you might enjoy that's it. what I mean, I'm talking about. I want yeah. to see, that's on it's, my list. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny and poignant. And I mean, just talking about it now makes me cry. I, sh- I showed that film to uh, Micah Hanks and he's, he sat there in silence for about 10 minutes after it. Oh, just wow. Going, what did I just see? What did I just see? Oh, my God. Jerry, just, link me, please. I think it's on Netflix. Jerry um, always links me. This that's is our where thing. it was. Yeah, <laughs> it's, he always links me. Yeah. 
I saw it on an I saw it in the animation show of shows like years ago, like five years ago, and I was just, I was aghast at how great because I knew about Don Hertzfeld, the uh, the animator from before, um, and I knew it was his style. It's like, oh my god, this is what he did. He's done a part two now, which is uh, my wife and I constantly walk around the house quoting from those two. Oh, awesome! <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Oh, this is great. Thank you. I, I'm and and the fact that it's short too fits into some of my time constraints of recent. Yeah, yeah, it's 15 minutes days. long, and the second one's I think 19 minutes long. But there, I mean, it's stick figures, but the most epic stick figure animation you've ever seen. Oh wow! Well, profound. The whole idea, you know. Um, and the so guy made it by talking to his niece. Just recording her babbling stuff, and he built a he built a script around her babbles that made that made no, no sense by themselves, but he turned them into a story. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, it took years and years. I want the the experience. I couldn't even perceive that it was me. I always pushed it into something else. When I was little, it was a fairy, right? That's what I grew up in. I had in an Irish household. And, um, you know, it was Faye. And then it got, you know, I thought, oh man, these ETs, this is what it was. It was like a gray, <laughs> you know, it was like having this communication. And then when it was just lights on, when I real, I looked. Yeah, that's back. what made sense to you. And that, that's how you were able to integrate it. That's yeah. why I say, you know, uh, abduction researchers for UFO stuff, I think they should concentrate on getting the person comfortable and um, integrated back, integrated back to their, you know, normal functioning self rather than trying to figure out, you know, which aliens took them and how do I make my next book or whatever the hell it is. And mm -hmm. there's plenty, there's plenty of, uh, researchers, I think mostly that you don't hear about that that is their, that is their goal. Let's get this person feeling better about themselves and being okay with the experience, um, no matter what it is. Uh, and uh, and that's you know that that should be the prime directive in, in taking care of people that have had whatever abduction experiences are. Um, I think it's too codified now. It's uh, I think hypnosis should be done away with. I I think that I I spoke to a college class the other day and they said, "What do you think about hypnosis?" And I said, "I'll tell you what. My latest thing is um, my fantasy is that when somebody goes out to to talk to somebody that's had a weird experience, either abduction or has seen something close up or whatever." Um, take a giant pad of paper and a bunch of colored pens and pencils and, and put them in front of them and say, here, what happened to you? Bye. And come back like three days later. That's very Jungian. That's like yeah. part of Jungian analysis of which I went through. And, but the, the analysis said, you know, like the idea in that is that it is you, of course it's you. And, um, mm. and that, you know, it's fragmented pieces through all kinds of, different language um yeah but the, the thing is when i had the when i could see it clearly here not too long ago it was it was soul shattering because it of course it was me but it was it was also not me it's i'm not the same me i was then and i'm not right. even the same me i was yesterday and this is a right. question we always ask so it's also there's an auton there's an anomalous autonomy to right? Uh -huh. You're not the same you. And um, so therefore it was separate. It was a separate and that's why it had this sense of um, autonomy. And um, I can see why the waters are murky and I can see why and how things get so confusing 
and why predators are about telling people and guiding a narrative what they think it is. And so, you know, caution, caution. So my first thing is always, is this me? <laughs> you know, like I want to know the universe is really around me at this time. This is my content. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's how I feel, too, without having trying not to be, you know, like... Uh, ego, and without ego. Without ego, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, ego is probably one of the worst problems in a lot of these areas in ufology and all these places. Like, get get your own damn self out of the way. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, that's how a lot of our society operates, is on, you know, ego-centered uh, activity. Um, but uh, I've got this idea that if uh, we could get ego out of it and... Uh, be kind of more of a Zen, and I'm not saying this in a hippie Zen, like meaning really uh, non non ego centered uh, view of of anomalies. We could probably go a lot uh, closer to the heart of what they might be, and they might not be anomalies anymore. Well, we know that trauma can create, especially induced trauma from others, can create disassociation. Yes. So, and this is a tactic governments use. It's used. It's a, the weapon. It can certainly be weaponized, but we do it to ourselves, too. It's just a natural function. Yeah. And um, it's survival. And, and yeah. no matter what, survival is the highest law. Yeah. We've got a trauma culture right now. Let's panic about something. And then whoever is making you panic offers you the, offers you the solution. Fear, fear not this uh, menace we have just created. Is <laughs> <laughs> so Trump? There are people yeah. who are actually like get shaken in terror because of Trump, you know, because they're so scared of what he's going to do or what he is, or you know that that kind of thing. They can't handle it. It's funny. Well, I think he's insane, but you know, I don't run around being scared about it. Yeah, right. He can't really do much. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I, I. I try to stay centered in a lot of things. Um, I've got certain ideas about politics, which I don't want to talk about on the show, but um, I try to stay, stay centered about, I don't panic either one way or the other, depending on which side is yelling at me. I mean, I, I do the same thing in politics just about that I do in my paranormal stuff. Yeah. I try to keep a center on it. And um, you kind of have I to. I don't, yeah, I don't vote based on party. I don't, I vote based on who I think has probably got the best, you know, who I agree with the most. Now you can argue about voting or whatever, but if nobody votes, then, then, you know, that's like, that's like giving up your last little bit of control, you know, you know? so I agree. Uh, if there's any left, that's about the only way you can do anything about it. So that, that's my political. Cool. No, I did. I, we don't want to talk about politics. We avoid it usually. I do too. I mean, I we do don't it avoid it. It just doesn't usually come up. I don't bring it up. That's for sure. Because so what it is is you try to convince something, somebody of something that they're probably not going to listen. <laughs> and it's divisive. You know, I I, I sell T-shirts that say "Do not engage," and the reason <laughs> I have the the the, the 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 what that means is ninety nine percent of the time, engaging with anybody on something where you're not going to change their mind is a waste of time, um, and the only way and people's minds aren't changed by one conversation. So basically you're just two monkeys yelling at each other. Um, and I don't like that. Um, the, the best kind of exchanges are personal ones outside of the public eye, not on the internet. Um, if I get in enough of an argument with somebody online and it looks like they, they aren't complete morons, I'll say, Hey, let's take this offline. You know, message me privately. 
and we have a civilized conversation, and that's great. Um, that's I think that's the best way to interface with people, not you know, anonymously as as, on Twitter. Yeah, as <laughs> yeah. soon as people know people are watching, they act 180 degrees different most of the time. So the best way to convince anybody of anything, or at least not convince them, but have a civilized conversation, is one on one outside of a public forum. Um, I've found that over and over and over again, which is why I have those you know do not engage T-shirts. I've got so many times where I wanted to say something. It's like, I start pounding it out of the keyboard. I look at it and then go, okay, it. I've gotten that out of my system and I delete it. That's exactly what I do. Yeah. I actually hope that this come, this, that what you're talking about now, this, this direction, this trajectory, it, um, these times bring people closer together outside of the internet. I'm hoping because yeah. I, a lot of people are starting to recognize that if we just speak to each other, um one-on-one -on -one that the, there's an actual connection that goes on there's a there's yeah. a real energetic um exchange that happens and it brings us closer together in the end we can still disagree um but this this weirdness that's going on with the the disconnected world is um obviously it's necessary it's part of part of the process but it's a, we're seeing the mess of it uh, so yeah. I have actually yeah. have a question for you. Um, it's the Kali Yuga of the internet. It is. Yes. <laughs> You're good with these one-liners. I love it. Um, okay. So this is kind of my last question before like okay. getting, getting questions from the chat. Um, what is, what is the soul or spirit if they're separate to you? What is that? The whole what's going on with that why is it everywhere in all religions you see how does it how do you feel about it what are your ideas about soul spirit mm. i guess that oh, there was like a debate on post the other day on the on the facebook and all also in the calls um about what the difference between soul and spirit was and I guess the difference for me is soul is is um, what you're what you're what, what you have when you're born, and spirit is is developed as you as you uh, go through your life. Um, I guess that would be in my opinion right now on that. It could change, and I could be completely wrong and talking on my ass. Um, but those things, as I think for most people, their soul is in their soul they know what's right and if they if they step away from that um then problems start to happen um if you can stay centered on that 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 soul part that will keep you connected to other people keep you connected to um a sense of uh uh i'm trying to think of the word what's the to, 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 i can't think of words anymore here you guys um Lori Anderson said, language is a virus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think she got that from um, William Burroughs, actually. Yes, you're right. Uh, uh, compassion. I mean, if you, if, if you have a sense of, a true sense of compassion for other people, I think you are connecting with your soul. Um, because then you know that, you know, we're all connected. We're all basically came, come from the same thing. And that um, if you look in the person you hate's eyes, you can still see their humanity and see you in them. That's one of the hardest things to do, but I think that that that's what that's what soul is, and that we should 
if we're not connected to that and we move away from it, that's when we start doing bad things to each other and to the environment, to animals and all that other stuff. Um, so if there's, if there's a way to take these people that are so far away from their soul and shock them back into realizing that, uh, that what I just said, maybe there wouldn't be as, as many problems and, you know, and people would be, it's hard to be kind to everybody. It's really hard, but it, I think everybody should make an effort to do that. If that's foremost in your mind, then um, I think you lose a lot of fear and you lose a lot of doubt. I mean, these sound like, like uh, platitudes and all that, but it's, it's, uh, you know, after after living for a while and talking to people and having friends and having enemies and having problems and having joys and all that, that, that seems to make the most sense to me. I I love that. Um, I agree. I mean, we do need more soul <laughs> going yeah. on, more soulful experiences. Yeah. And recently in the last few months, I've been gotten, getting very emotional about things. And I don't know why that is. A couple of set, people said, oh, it's menopause. <laughs> no, no, they're ascension symptoms. You're ascending to 5D and you're purging negative energies. Wrap it how I, you want. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. But uh, yeah, things I'm kidding. I was yeah, well, throwing a joke out, but it still applies if you want to. Or, or yeah. I wasn't joking. Yeah, I, I can accept both. I just put a co- quote up on my Facebook page from F. Scott Fitzgerald. I just read that. What, did you read it? Yeah. The, 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 the quality of a first-rate intelligence is to be able to hold two opposing ideas in the same mind without and still being able to function. Exactly. And I love that. Um, yes. I hold opposing ideas all the time. I mean, I, it makes me excited that I can hold opposing ideas in my mind. Not, I'm not saying I'm a big intelligent person, but the, 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 the fact that you can try to do that means that you're striving for, look, I'm, I'm trying to be a better person by being able to, especially with you know, um, all this paranormal stuff. It's true, it's not true. I went to that Bob Lazar film uh, a couple. So he mentions Bob oh, Lazar no. and he gets Oh gets no, cut you roboted, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Are you back, Craig? Oh, wow, he really did freeze during that. BB saw the, went to see the film too. Did she? Mm-hmm. I heard. Yeah, I read Walter Bosley's review. <clears throat> he said it was okay. It was the same old shit. BB you know. kind of said, "I can't remember what she said." She kind of said, "It seemed in my memory." She, I'm sure she's in the chat. Um, something kind of similar to that. Wow, great! So for people who don't know, Greg just totally was talking about Bulbasaur, and he just he dropped out. Wow, Jerry, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Did we get any questions from the chat? I was just about to collect them. This is the first problem we've had tonight. Yeah, outside of a little bit of roboting, it's it's been pretty damn smooth. All right, Oswald showed up the last minute to ask questions. Thank you, Oswald. Yay, hello Oswald. Hello, people of the chat that I am not seeing. Um, but I do go back and look. Mm-mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm. Facebook. Ready to get that one? 
Are you talking to him at all anywhere? No. Should I be? Well, I don't know what's going on with him, so he's got that the, may be it. He's got the zoom like now. Plus his power yeah. went out. Yeah, that's right. Oh my god, you guys are bracing for that storm, aren't you? Isn't it supposed to be a huge, gigantic... There he's back. Yay. You're muted, too. Greg, you're muted. I got you. He's still muted. Yeah. There we go. Okay. I, I'm mute. It's uh, funny, Greg, that... My, my wife will show up soon, and I'll have to go out and move my car, um, which will take about probably five minutes. Well, we're going to wrap soon anyway, but it's funny you mentioned Bob Lazar, and then you go completely, <laughs> it goes dead. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and we had a pretty smooth show all night, but then the mention of Bob Lazar. Yeah. Uh, it, what I was saying was that I, um, the, the fact that I, can, I, can, I believe that Bob believes what he says, but I also have serious doubts about what he says. And that's fine with me. I, I, I'm fine with those two ideas living in my brain at the same time. Yeah, me too. I find it actually healthy to entertain. This is the whole crux of keep remain open. I think remaining open and having oh. stuff it becomes totally bollocks. So you throw it off the table, you know? Like when I can't something... hear anybody right now. Oh, no. Can you hear me, Jerry? We better stop talking about Bob, I think. I can hear oh. you. You can't hear me? You can't hear us? I can hear you now. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, all I'm, I'm just mirroring the idea of remaining open. And so I think it is a healthy thing to have contradictory stuff mulling around in your, on your table. Yeah. I, I, you, you have to. I mean, otherwise, anybody that takes a, a strong position, at least in the paranormal, um, there's going to be a hundred... Uh, a hundred good arguments against what your your position is, and if you don't see that, then you start to look very silly, um, mm -hmm. except to the people that are in your echo chamber. Right, absolutely. Oh, those echo chambers! Somebody accused my show of being an echo chamber, and I got so upset. I was like, "Oh, I better have people on that." Are... <laughs> so um, I had two people on that were heavy uh, extraterrestrial hypothesis believe, uh, uh, not believers, but that was their. That was our position, and I'm not. I'm a heavy, not extraterrestrial hypothesis person. So we discussed it. We, we had a... Can you hear that? It's my phone. Is it your wife? Yeah, it's my wife. I think I have to go out and move the car. Okay. You can take a break, if you don't mind. Okay, sure. Okay. We'll be right, right back, be right people. Back. We'll be right okay. back. Thanks. I gotta find my break. Sure. Entertain our crowd. No, we've been on break. I had everything turned off. We're back. Oh, that's too bad. We're back, everyone. Yeah, I know. You're talking like, um, we should be live on this. a good conversation. I know. you. For the chat, we just had a fantastic conversation that I thought we were live, um, but we weren't. So. so anyway, where are we now? We're live. We're uh, you were talking, we were talking about, oh, the, um, you asked me what I thought about it. I don't really want to go into that. Right. Okay. We don't have to. And and we definitely don't have to rehatch it. Ha hatch it. So, good questions. But it, I'll give Greg. you the gist, though. It was along the same lines of keeping two ideas of reality in your head at once. Like I can keep I keep this idea that space is fake and we live in a, a virtual whatever hologram, but maybe it's not. So that's basically two ideas that are separate. So when I hear a lot of space news and stuff, I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> You know, half, half of me is like, yeah, right, that's not going to happen. 
but you know it could be i don't know that that was the gist of the conversation this was for the audience uh, i i think that it um if we're living in a simulation how the hell do we know it's a simulation it's just our reality yeah right, we, we can't it's a meaningless it's almost meaningless to even ask that question almost all the questions we ask we won't get answers for <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> our whole show is meaningless <laughs> it's all meaningless bye <laughs> just fun to Transcend. explore and talk Transcend. um i got questions if you're ready i think that's it. where we were right yeah 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 so um i forgot who asked this i apologize Someone wants to know if you've read Gary Lockman's book, Dark Star Rising, Magic and the Power in the Age of Trump. And if so, what did you think? Sorry, no, I didn't read it. I'm going to have to read some Lockman, actually, because I want to have him on my show at some point mm. um, and try not to talk about Blondie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he is a respected esotericist and uh, and and. and writer now and it's i've seen that for many years but i have not i've yet to read one of his books i'm you know what i'm reading now i'm reading time loops i'm reading um uh uh, uh, uh authors of the impossible i'm reading um the supernatural the Strever and kripal book i'm reading um oh i gotta i gotta look on my kindle i mean there's there's i've got like eight i got eight <laughs> books going right now i'm about the same um there was uh i'll tell you about that afterwards so okay. another, another question here is what kind of minds or types of perception does it take to perceive meaning compared to the general populace oh, uh i think i understand the question for for me it is you have to be constantly curious and not accepting of any one explanation If that if that satisfies, and if anybody else wants to tackle that, that's fine too. No, it's no, it's good. I uh, I'm looking for more questions. I saw one. There was. One I'm trying to find the other books. Okay, I'm reading the Entity Letters, which is about a guy that did um, uh, uh, research with a um, paranormal group for years. I'm reading um, um, Lonely Hearts, which is a biography of Nathaniel West. Mm -hmm. I'm reading. The, I'm finishing the Trickster and the Paranormal. Um, oh, I want to read that. Yeah, that's a great book. Um, I have finished Silver Screen Saucers by my friend Robbie um, Graham. Um, uh, Heaven Can Wait, which is Diana Pasolka's book about the concept of purgatory and how that's changed over the centuries. The Comedians, a history of American comedy from like the, the late 19th century up to the present. Um, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, there's authors of the impossible. I I just finished a uh, book called Failure Is Not an Option by the guy that was the uh, um, the Capcom, the uh, head of um, uh, the uh, video game the, company. No, no, Capcom is the it might be, but it, this is this is the guy that was uh, Gene Kranz, who was the uh, voice you hear on on half of the Apollo missions. Oh. Uh, our final invention: artificial intelligence and the end of the human era. Era. <laughs> Did you um, hear that they just shut down the, or the AI on the ISS has gone rogue and become belligerent? No, I didn't hear that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I did not hear that either, Jerry. That's hilarious. All the AI get belligerent. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. At, at day's end, uh, a history of what people did, at, uh, you know, how people slept at night, at night in times past. Fairy Faith in the Celtic Countries, which I haven't read for years. Anyway, that, that's just some of the books I'm reading. Those are goodies, <laughs> Greg. Yeah. So someone's asked me a has a question, but I don't understand it, so I can't ask it. And he will we'll ask it and see if we do. What is your take on Paul was, and if he's seen the documentary with Johnny Gausch being a White House aide for George Bush Jr.? No idea what you're talking about. Me neither. Sorry. Ditto. So three dittos there. Yeah, I, I, I apologize. I, you have to be clearer. Uh, if you can come back with something clear. The only Paul I know, I know two Pauls. One, one is um, Kimball, who's my friend from Canada, who's a, a filmmaker. And the other Paul is Paul Benowitz. And that's what I thought he was talking about, but it's like. Yeah, the rest of the question didn't make sense to me in, 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 uh, in relationship to uh, uh, Paul Benowitz. I don't know if it's sorry. a Russian AI. Oh, it's cool. Um, sorry, sorry, cult fan. Next was time. he talking about Johnny Gosh? Yes. Oh, who was a friend of mine and went to school with him. Oh, oh I know that yeah. name, but I can't. I, I don't know it. it at all. Yeah, uh, he got kidnapped in the eighties. Mm. Pretty famous case. And yes. Marina's mom, I believe, is still on the case. And okay, here's another one. Did you read Creepall's book on Esalon? 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 Yeah, there you go. I am reading that book. That's another book I'm reading. Is there this a go. psychic person? I'm reading it, but I'm only about 30 pages, or no, I'm about 50 pages into it. It's a horse choker. It's like 400 something pages. Mm. Is it, who asked that? Is it a psychic person? It's Oswald. Oh, that's great. Hello, Oswald. <laughs> Modifying. That was just the question. Am I reading that book? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that book? See I just wanted, yeah, I wanted to see the history of that that institution, and because Kripal is kind of like one of the, he's on the committee now for Esalen, and uh, it's basically a a uh, group that was formed in the early, I think, late fifties or early sixties, and it's basically a think tank for um, uh, kind of. Forward thinking, new agey, new technology, um, spirituality, all those things in the intersections of them. It's, it's, a, it's a fascinating thing, and it's... Uh, it's not Tavistock 2.0, though. Uh, I don't think so. I can't remember what that was. It's the overall social engineering pro program that's going on <laughs> Oh, yeah. Us. <laughs> I think if you want to be conspiratorial about it, it could be part mm -hmm. of it, yes. Um, but I tend to think it's like, it, it's not a... Um, it's not a Bohemian Grove type uh, thing. It's more like, yeah. what can we do using all these new ideas to improve uh, improve life on this planet? I think that's the, unless I'm mistaken, and I'm sure somebody will tell me I am, that is the uh, that is the goal of Essel. Um, and they've had they've had uh, real actual um, effects on the world. I think Gorbachev stayed there for a while during the detente thing, and they really. Um, they, they they talked to him quite a bit and made him more open to uh, talking to Reagan and the whole that that whole period of history I think was affected very very deeply by um, or very directly by uh, the Esalen experience. Well, I have to research that. I'm not familiar with it at all. And I wasn't suggesting they were a, a social programming group. Well, whenever you have a group of people that's kind of closed off, and you're, you know, you and yeah. I are not allowed to go there, you're, there's automatically some sort of, you know, there, there is, there's suspicion. 
I've never seen anything to make me suspect that they're anything more than kind of a new agey forward thinking think tank. Um, Robert Anton Wilson was there many times. Um, Timothy Leary was there many times. Uh, and that continues to be, uh, it's the kind of thing I want to do. Who, who wouldn't want to get together with a bunch of really smart people and talk out some problems yeah. that you can figure out and then take those things and move it out into the real world and try to apply them. I think that's what they do. I think they're like, um, uh, they're, they're the opposite of the, the if the you know if the empire is the is is uh, is um, what um, um, what you just said uh, 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 Bohemian Grove and stuff like that mm-hmm. then the rebels to my mind are sort of more along the lines mm-hmm. of Eskimo. Okay, yeah, that's cool. I just forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, you reminded me of something. Anyway, that's all the questions we have. Anything else? Okay. Fish? No, this is this has been great. Yes, thank you so much, Greg. Did you want to plug your new book or anything you want? You can. The floor is yours. Okay. Well, the only real books. I mean, I've got a bunch of books, but the two newest ones. Well, newest two years ago was um, uh, "It Defies Language." That's available at uh, Lulu, which I prefer you use because I get more money for it, or uh, Amazon, either as a print or as Kindle. Um, and uh, the newest one, which is coming out in a week, less than a week. It's called A is for Adamski. I co-wrote with uh, my friend uh, Adam Co-Rightly. Uh, it's a, an examination of the UFO contactee movement, um, probably late 1940s to uh, almost up to the present, but it concentrates mainly 1940s through probably 1970s. And it's uh, people that said that aliens uh, contacted them and told them and gave them messages, mostly of brotherly love. And, and no, um, no pancakes. And uh, yeah, uh, no, you know what? Simonton is in there. Oh, is he? <laughs> we stretch the uh, stretch the uh, definition of um, contactee a little bit. In, in fact, even Charles Hickson is in there of the oh, Pascagoula wow. incident uh, because he said that he had continued contacts and that right. uh, whoever it was said, you know, do not be afraid. You have a purpose, and you, you know, we will tell you what you need to tell the world. And you know, stop building atomic bombs and the whole bit. He fits very comfortably within the. Uh, contact email you and people just know him for you know being taken on board a ship while he was fishing with his partner calvin right. Parker, his friend calvin so uh yeah there, there's a lot of great stuff in that book and and a lot of um we did it basically because we found a treasure trove of photographs of a lot of these people that nobody had seen either for a long time or ever mm. so and there'll be a color version and a kindle version and all great. that too i look forward to reading that yeah that's great well we thank you so much it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on our show Truly. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. And everyone, thank you for listening, and thanks for being in the chat, and thanks for watching it. And thank Nish. You want to say goodbye? We're saying goodbye. Be sure to tune in next week for Tim Renner, host of Strange Familiars. Interesting guy. Have you met Tim? No, but isn't he uh, working on a book with Josh Kutchin? I don't know. Well, I I thought I heard that too, Greg. Uh, Bigfoot, right? That's yeah, what I thought. Yeah, I yeah. Heard. yeah they're working on a yeah. Bigfoot book. Yeah, so ask him about that. I will. I will definitely. <laughs> yes. So join us next week. Uh, Tim Tim Renner will be here, and we will see you then. So everyone, thanks a lot, and have a good night. Thank you, everyone, and Greg. Thank you. Thank you, Nish and Jerry.